You are listening to the Taking the Leap podcast with me, your host, Rachel G. Scott. This podcast is dedicated to inspiring you to take bold leaps of faith as we hear the powerful stories of both men and women from different industries and walks of life who obey God and took risks in exchange for heaven's rewards. As you listen, my hope is that their stories will give you the confidence you need to trust God as he leads you to your next leap. Now, let's learn a little about our next guest. Hey family, okay, before we dive into this episode, I want to share something with you. I want to do a series where I personally answer your questions about taking leaps. But here's what I need from you. I need some questions. (laughs) So I have two ways for you to send me questions. The first way is for you to DM me the questions on Instagram. So follow me on Instagram at I am Rachel G. Scott, R-A-C-H-E-L. And then you can send me your questions through text or you can even voice message me the questions that I can share. The second way is for you to email me, contact our Rachel G. Scott. Myself or my team will grab the email and review it. And then here's the thing. I won't share your name unless you indicate that it's okay for me to say, hey, it's Sally from Missouri. So tell me your name regardless, what state you're in, what country you're in, and then just give me your question. I'll read the question live on the podcast. Then I'll share with you what I would do if it were me. I want you to think of it this way as you are preparing these questions. You know how you are in class and there's always that student that asks a question that you really want to ask, but you didn't. And you're like, oh, thank you so much for asking that question. That's how I want this to feel. There's going to be some of you that step up and go ahead and ask a question that someone else really wants to know the answer to. And so if you could be that person, be that student for me. It's the teacher of me coming out, y'all. Be that student for me where you ask a question that I can share my wisdom from my own experience, from the journey of taking leaps to help you boldly take leaps of faith. So again, you're going to send it to me via Instagram DM as a voice or a text, or you're going to directly email me the question. All right. Sound good? Perfect. Let's hop in. Well, welcome, Sue. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. My pleasure, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Sue and I know each other from the Christian Podcast Association. I haven't been a part of it as long as she has, but it's still been a huge blessing to me. And I get to hear Sue share her wisdom and make us laugh in the background. So <laughs> I love that, Sue. I don't know about the wisdom part, but I do. Uh, I think God's given me a gift. So that's I take advantage of it. He totally has. Okay. So today we will be talking with Sue about the shepherd's leap and the builder's leap. So two leaps that I love talking about, shepherd's leap and builder's leap. So these are two leaps that you all should be familiar with. And I'm super excited to talk about that with you today, Sue. But before we dive in, can you please tell my listeners a little bit about you? My name is Sue Moore Donaldson. I go by the middle name on social media because I didn't get married till I was 35 and I didn't want to lose all those friends and students and people I knew all those many years. I'm almost 71. It's a great ride. Uh, the Lord keeps allowing me to try new things, maybe because I like I get bored easily, but I live in San Luis Obispo, California, married into it 35 years ago. My husband's a doctor with the VA. We have three adorable daughters who keep us at the bank and on our knees. <laughs> And I'm not a grandmother yet, but I'm trying not to push them. And um, I speak, mainly speak. I do some writing. I podcast every week on how to live a life that matters. It's called Welcome Heart, Living a Legacy Life. 
Mm, see, y'all listen. Isn't she amazing? You just we're just getting started and Sue is just <laughs> telling us all the amazing things she's doing. So today we're going to talk about two leaps, the shepherd's leap and the fisherman's leap. Yes. Super excited about that. <laughs> all right. So Sue, which yes. one came first? Was it the move itself or was it you working um, within the school? Which one of those came first? That's kind of hard to say. I moved into teaching. So I guess I was teaching first because I wanted to serve God full time. And I got a job in a Christian school teaching high school right out of college. And boy, that is, you know, you're really in the, <laughs> that's really hard. Let's just put it that way. Because <laughs> I was just a little bit taller than some of my students and not of others. And you're scared to death, but then you learn to love them and you minister in that way for about, for about four years. I taught in Southern California at a Christian high school. Yeah, that's funny. I taught high school for two years. I subbed for a while, then I became a full-time teacher. And my first day there, I always compare it to Sister Act. And yeah. <laughs> my experience was like, am I going to survive this? So I told you, there's something different, but I loved it. I loved working with high schoolers. So what led you into teaching? Well, like I said, I wanted to serve the Lord full-time. And I, I was in a small little Christian school. And I thought, what can I do? you know, not getting married because no one asked me that I was wanting to say yes to. And so I thought, well, a career at that point, because I of my age, you know, you went into teaching or nursing, really. And I went into teaching because I couldn't stand the sight of blood. And I went into high school teaching because I didn't like children who were shorter than myself. So it wasn't a real spiritual reason other than Lord, help me serve you. And this is a way I can support myself. And so I went into teaching. And then after a couple of years, I thought, Lord, there's something more besides Shakespeare that I'm interested in. And that is to building into kids' lives in a more formal way. So I started discipling my former students. So I taught freshmen. So when they were juniors, we had a great relationship. I started discipling girls every week and it was tremendous. And then one of my books came from it, Table Mentoring, Living a Life That's Pouring Into Others. And then after that season, how did you know that that season was up, that you were about to be called into something else? Well, again, it was just a, a dissatisfaction from where I was. I, my daughters kind of like me that way. And I said, you know, it's not always a big spiritual reason like God audibly says, Sue, it's time to leave. I was just um, ready to go. I I think I'd had a broken heart over something. I kept having those. And, but I, I just thought, you know, there's something more than what I'm doing right now. And so I talked to a mission board that I trusted, Wycliffe Bible Translators. My brother was with them and I knew they did a great thing. They translate the word of God into languages that don't even have an alphabet, but that takes linguistics. And even though I was into language skills, I wasn't into science. And so I thought, what could I do? Well, I could teach for them. So I applied to Wycliffe. They gave me five different openings of schools around the world that could use my skills. And they chose me for the Escola Americana de Brasilia. So that's an American international school in the capital city of Brazil. So I went there for two years and it was fabulous, challenging, as they say. Fabulous. But these are children who are like children of ambassadors and uh, military personnel and diplomats as well as missionary kids, as well as wealthy Brazilians who teach their children English. So mm. what a great mix of kids who are just hungry to be loved on and mentored because their parents move them every two years right. and they have to learn how to make friends. And I was there just for two years. So what an exciting opportunity that was for me. It wasn't easy, but because I already knew I could be a good teacher, that helped me through the harder parts. So I want to dig a little bit into that moment where it was time for you to leave. It was making these kind of jumps or transitions or leaps natural for you because you went to a whole nother country. So how did you feel leading up to that? Were you nervous? Were you like questioning yourself? What did, what was that like? 
I felt so free mm-hmm. to go. I had a, my best friend said to me, Sue, I think you're so courageous for going. She taught with me at the school. We went to college together. I said, oh no, Liz, it would take more courage to stay. I remember saying that to her because I was so compelled. So I think there's an inner compelling that God allows that helps us get over, leap over, shall we say, any fear. Like the school itself sent me to Boston to meet the other teachers. I had to meet and get approved by Wycliffe itself. So I was being approved in it. There are a lot of challenges, right? And when I get there, I find out that the school administrator is an alcoholic. And so here I am putting myself under something that's difficult and yet being called to serve Wycliffe as well. And so the other thing was I called my parents. See, I was raised in a home where they supported missionaries all the time. We had missionaries in our home. So I didn't think it would be such a big deal to my parents that I was (laughs) living in Brazil for a couple of years. I mean, what's What's two years, right? And so I call my dad and I tell him that I've decided to do this. Obviously, I was at an age at that time. I wasn't asking his permission, but I said, I'm going, dad. And you know what he said? Bless his heart. Cause I was of five children. I still, I was the only one not married. And so, you know, dad's worried about that kind of thing. Yeah. So he said, now you'll never get married. That's what he said. Mm-hmm. And I said, Oh, dad, if I'm supposed to marry a Brazilian coffee plantation owner, I better get down there. And <laughs> it made him laugh, which he needed. <laughs> and uh, also, I didn't ask my parents for support, for financial support. I thought, I'm going to let the Lord show them that I would get enough support. And I did. Wow. That's so oh, good. Let me tell you, something. you know how airports have their little short identification letters like LAX is Los Angeles, right? Yes. So uh, Brasilia is BSB. And I, uh, Wycliffe, because they're smart and wise, when you go for a short-term mission, they want to make sure you have your return fair the money it would take to bring you home right. in the bank because sometimes people, they get sick or they can't handle it after six months and then Wycliffe has to pick up the bill. So I was not allowed to leave until I had money for my return fare. And all of a sudden I did. And it was because my choir, I sang in the choir at my church and they got the money together and they called it BSB, Bring Sue Back. Oh, I so love it that. Just make you cry. It does now, you know. And I thought, wow, they love me so much. They want me to come back, but they put their money into it. You know, yeah. people put their money where their faith is. Yeah. And so it was It was not hard to leave. It was hard to pack everything. I mean, I took Christmas lights. They sent big missionary barrels. It was kind of a joke, but it was a wonderful experience. And I praise God for that opportunity. Yeah. You know, you said um, before we actually hit go that, you know, that was definitely a mission field for you. I mean, it was definitely working with missionaries, but it was a mission field for you. And what were some things that went on where you had to really put on your faith during the time that you were out there? Well, one was that what I mentioned, because the top administrator was not uh, an able administrator. So other teachers who were not part of the mission board were asking for me to asking me to sign a petition to have him removed. And I just had to pray about that because I agreed with it, but I felt that that was not my calling. So it all worked out. He was removed without me having to get political about it. And sometimes God calls us to be political. I wasn't. Another thing was I got in trouble for doing Bible studies on campus. And so so the the new administrator was a Christian and he said, Sue, do you want to have other faiths come in here and do Bible studies? And I said, no, he goes, go across the street, please. So he goes, I'm trying to support you and trying not to get you thrown out. So I would go across the street and I actually worked 
more with the non-missionary kids because they these kids needed the Lord. The other ones had their families. These had nothing. And I never forget this one gal. I loved her so much. She was, her father was the ambassador from South Africa. And she dressed me up as a member of KISS for Halloween. And I got the prize for being the most unlike my costume, but um, <laughs> because that was the kind of person she was. And then one day she didn't show up to class. And I found out that she, that Brazil had broken off uh, diplomatic relations with South Africa. So she was just gone. And I've never been able to find her. Uh, Hildy, if you're listening to this, please come find me. You're come for Thanksgiving, Hildy Pretorius. And uh, she she accepted the Lord. So who knows what's happening now with those kids? But it's it was my privilege. It's always your privilege, you know that, Yeah, to serve God. And I cry more now that I'm older, but sorry. No, that's, you know, I love that. And that perspective is really encouraging because we look at it sometimes, especially when it's not easy, as this burden. We look at it as, as something that, oh, why does it have to be so hard? And when you look at it and say, it's a privilege to serve God, it's a privilege to go into another country and be able to minister to them and to have a Bible study across the street where you know, the ambassador's daughter gave their life to, to Christ. And then I think about heaven and the reward of those moments that we will we will get on the other side of eternity. So, you know, I love that you said that because when we are making these leaps, if we make it about us, we'll have every reason to not do it. But when we make it about, we don't know what God is going to do over there. That's like right. you had no clue who you were going to encounter, you know, who you were going to minister to while you were over there, but you knew you were supposed to be there. And that's powerful. So oh, tell let me, me okay. let me add one more thing too. It, you get a little homesick, you know, and they didn't have pine trees. So at Christmas, my Bible study at home made this great recording. They sang songs. They sent me, so I'm listening to a cassette tape on Christmas morning with a dead branch, you know, hanging out of a pot. <laughs> and so you get a little homesick. So I want, my parents paid for me to come home in the summer, but after three days at being home in Southern California, I was ready to go back. So it's mm. like, you just need a little taste. I'm glad my parents could afford it to send me home. But look, I had made roots there and I made them because my roommate said, you need to make friends in a short time. I speak about this when I speak on hospitality. So I said, well, what do I do? And she goes, well, you need to have company on Friday. So every Friday for six weeks, I had different people over from the mission base and they didn't all become my best friends, but we hosted them. I made apple crisp six weeks in a row because they didn't have chocolate chips at the time. I'm curious if they have chocolate chips in Brazil now, but that was many years ago, but I got really good at apple crisp. And the whole point is, is that you invite people in and then some become your best friends. And it's, a, it's I call it a, uh, self-serving sanctification because you're really obeying God by being hospitable, but it really serves a purpose in your own life. Right, right. Uh, I love that. Self-serving and sanctification. So good. Now, tell me, as you were transitioning back, because eventually the two years came up, how how did you handle that? What did you go into after that ended? Well, my job at Whittier Christian High School, they had saved my job for me, which was affirming, but I didn't want to teach full-time because I knew it was boring. So they let me start counseling ninth graders. They had a big enough school where they could have a separate counselor. And I started a master's degree in counseling. And so that was their faith in me. I taught only honors English at the time. I did that for four more years. And then I just knew again, I didn't, I didn't make enough money to live on my own. And I was old enough uh, that I didn't really want to have a roommate anymore. So I started thinking in terms of making more money. 
which is a practical way to live sometimes. And also I had a heartbreak. Some guy, two guys actually, whatever. It was a long time ago, but I thought, okay, I'm ready for a change. Some people join the Foreign Legion, other people, you know, join the mission field. So I was familiar with Wycliffe because I'd been with him. And I wrote the director who I knew socially a little bit because my brother was with them. And I said, I am available now because the first time he asked me to join, I was dating and I didn't really want to leave that. So I was free. And what he said, such a great story. He's a former uh, missionary pilot. And here he was the director of this huge mission organization just an hour away from where I was working. And he goes, hey, Sue, you want to help me get my hours, my flying hours? They have to keep up their hours, you know. Right. And he goes, want to fly with me to Catalina next week and we'll get Buffalo burgers. And I knew he was going <laughs> to offer me a job. So I took the day off. My boss did not want to give me the day off, but she gave me the day off. And I went in that little plane and halfway, you know, over the Pacific Ocean, he's going, hey, I got a job for you. And I go, oh. <laughs> I said, um, I'm trying to get my master's degree. We can help you with that. And I said, I'm never going to get married. He says, you have enough faith for that. And I thought, well, how do you know? You hardly know me. And then he helped me steer the airplane. Thankfully, I didn't help land it. And we had the Buffalo Burgers. And the next week I signed up and I became just an assistant to an administrator in their training program. But oh, it was so wonderful. And I joined full time. Wow. Listen, that is like something you don't normally hear happens as <laughs> job, a return. But, you know, I love that because it just shows how God truly directs our path. Like you were just moving in the next thing that you felt like he, he was calling you to do. And then the next thing and the next thing. And you know what I love about that is we don't realize that people are talking about us behind closed doors in some good ways. Right. <laughs> and yeah. And it's those conversations that really allow God to get the glory because we have no clue what's happening back there. And, you know, but when we move forward and just what we're supposed to do, our name gets brought up and it gets presented to us. And then these opportunities open up for us. So I love, love, love. Let me come back and circle around because when I joined uh, the second time, it was forever, really. It's open-ended. And I thought it'll be harder to get my support, your support, Mm -hmm. your financial support, because the other time people only had to support me for two years. And I was able to get my support fairly quickly. And I moved up into the mountains of Idlewild, which is above Palm Springs, and a camp. And my wonderful boss, he's talked to me when he interviewed me and he said, do you want, they had these beautiful cabins and he's, they're duplexes. And he said, do you want a roommate or do you want a place by yourself? I said, oh, I'd like one by myself. So here I was making less money than I was making when I was teaching. God was giving me the desire of my heart where mm-hmm. I got to have no roommate then for the next, I was with the mission then for three years before I married. Mm. And I know this is kind of, (laughs) yeah, that was a whole new one. I know this is, which is, which is what I was about to say. I know this is kind of off topic because it doesn't really fit the leaps, but I think that there are enough people who listen to this podcast who are either single or who have children who are single that I want you to speak into that some. So, you know, tell us just a little bit about your story of singlehood, how you navigated that and even how you are just, how you walk other people through that. Well, that's a whole nother podcast, my dear, but I'll try to make it short. (laughs) Try to make it short. Just give us a little snippet. Okay. I always wanted to be married. So when I wasn't getting married, I I had to wrestle with God. And wrestling with God is always good because he wins and you really deep down want him to win. And so I remember I was on a summer missions trip early on in my early 20s in Guatemala and I was walking around this 
field late at night and I could only see the stars. And I was telling, I was arguing with God and I was telling him that my own father wants me to get married. So you as my heavenly father, logically, you know, God doesn't always work with my logic. Logically, you obviously want me to get married. So, and then he didn't answer. And I just kept walking and I thought, but what he wanted was a surrendered heart. So I surrendered my heart again, but legitimately there in the middle of Guatemala. It's such a beautiful country to surrender your heart to. But I couldn't really see the stars anymore because I was crying. And so then later, you know, I deal with it off and on. I met my husband when I was dating somebody else. So it was difficult to see clearly. And eventually I was dating them every other weekend. Now, is anybody actually going to keep listening to the story when they do that part? <laughs> No, I think they want to know what happened. <laughs> so my husband came, got saved in college in Iowa, decided to learn Greek. So he came out to Biola and Talbot to learn Greek, but he was a medical doctor. So he ended up being Biola's doctor. He needed a place to live. So he started rooming with the guy I was dating, who was also named Mark. So there was Mark 1, so it gets worse, and Mark 2. <laughs> and then Mark 1 kept breaking up with me. So Mark 2 moved in, not moved in, but he started... Uh, dating me and blah, blah, blah. Then Mark too, who was very self-confident, even though he was a little geeky and from Iowa, he said, I think you should date us every other weekend and I'll be the one that you'll choose. Well, I, he proposed and I said no, because I didn't love him. And then I went back with the other one and he, I wasn't sure. And I, I tell my children, I have three daughters. So I tell them, you know, and I've done retail too. So if a person's going, oh, I don't know whether I should buy these pair of black shoes. And I go, if you don't have confidence with shoes or men, it means no. And I didn't have, I didn't have confidence with the other Mark. So I said no to him. And so three years later, and that's when I joined Wycliffe the second time, six months later. And three years later, oh, a year later, Mark one called me to say he was getting married, but that's a whole nother story. And I was fine with that. And then two more years later, Mark Donaldson, who I'm married to, called me out of the blue and wanted to see me, but I was busy. And that's typical because now I know he does not plan ahead. But uh, three months later, we got together and he said he hadn't changed since the day he proposed. And that was been three years. So wow. he, he had moved on, which was good because I didn't want somebody, you know, you don't, you don't want a guy that hangs around like a puppy. <laughs> and so he, he and I just knew it was of the Lord because, oh, this is a great thing. I'm driving out to the desert, which you go through desert before you go to Idlewild. And I'm by myself in the car and I, I hit the steering wheel because I'm talking out loud to God with, with this kind of talk. And I said, okay, because Mark had said he had still loved me. And I said, okay, Lord, if I can glorify you more by being married, I'll say yes. Mm-hmm. And that's when I hit the steering wheel. And that's when I realized, oh my gosh, I'm going to be married to this guy. Because for years, Rachel, for years, I had said, if I can glorify you more by being single, all right. And when I, when the Lord had changed those words, if I can glorify you more by being married, all right. It was like, wow, I could not have prayed that only only the Lord. So a month later, I said, hey, I'm ready. He proposed. I said, yes, we got married four months later, blah, blah, blah. It's wow. not easy because I didn't know him very well, but we're both committed to the Lord and he's a steady Eddie. Yes. I love that. I love that story. See, I told you you can give us a short version of it. I know there's a lot more, but you did a great job. (laughs) I'm sure that. Well, Sue, this has been an amazing conversation and I love how, you know, you just share so authentically and help us just not help us to just navigate the emotions that sometimes can be connected to these different transitions. So I want to make sure 
that everyone knows where they can find you. And I want to ask, what is your next leap? Oh, that's a great question. I am starting my fifth book and I'd rather talk about things than sit and write. So it's, it's a big leap for me just to sit down. I don't know if you feel that way. I know you're writing yeah. your book. And we're oh, both, yes. I feel that way. <laughs> and we're very people oriented. So it's not people-ish to look at a scripture verse even, you know? So that my leap is downward and it's kind of hard on me, but I've been given this time. Uh, I was speaking in Arkansas two weeks ago and I knew that this time was coming where I'm not, I'm not scheduled to speak till October 1st. So I have the time, so I have no excuse. And so my leap is to be self-disciplined. My brother gave me some great tips. He said, Sue, he, when he started, he's a professional artist. When he started doing art with a father of five kids through two jobs, he did a little bit of art every night after dinner. So you attach it to another part of your day. Mm. So like after lunch today, I'm going to lunch with a friend I used to work with at Pottery Barn. To me, that's really important to keep in touch with people that you don't normally see like at church. And so that's important to me. But I know as soon as I get back, my first hour back will be to leap into this book writing. And then my main joy is speaking. So I want to speak maybe 30 times this next year. And I only have one one uh, gig planned. But it's because I'm getting older. And, you know, I just flew to Pennsylvania. It's hard. So if you want me, come get me because I plan to get as many speaking gigs in the next four years before I'm really old. Oh, I love that, Sue. Well, both of those are amazing. And yes, so invite Sue if you are looking for a great speaker who is funny and who is authentic and just has so much wisdom. I I love getting to talk to Sue. She's amazing. Now, tell them where they can find you. And I think you have something that you wanted to share with them as well. Yeah, thank you. Welcomeheart.com is my website. You'll see I have eight retreat series and 16 keynotes. I'm offering a free resource for all your listeners which one's a recipe because I speak a lot about hospitality and a prayer to get a hospitality heart in case we don't have one. And then four worksheets on how to mentor, how to get started mentoring. So either one of those things should appeal to everybody listening today. And so I'm happy to present that to you. And I think we're giving away one of my books. I sent you two different books. So I don't know which one you want to give away, but you can figure that out later. Okay. All right. Sounds good. So I will do that. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you again so much, Sue, for being with me. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you were inspired by what you heard and you're even more encouraged to trust God with your next leap. Before you go, I want to invite you to visit the5leaps.com to learn more about upcoming guests, helpful resources, and our text community support, all intended to help you prepare to take your next leap. Enjoy the rest of your day. And remember, God can do more with our willingness than he could ever do with our worthiness.